Hello, and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this episode, you will hear from two of the 2023 15 Under 40 recipients. The 15 Under 40 program selects 15 nominees each year to honor and recognize the accomplishments of outstanding young professionals who make a positive impact in the community and excel in their industry. We look forward to hearing their stories. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Jason Smith, President and CEO of the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Our special guest for this segment is one of our 15 under 40 winners, Ashley Urban with Cura Insurance. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. So real quick, a lot of people may not recognize that name. You just had a name change, Cura Insurance. So talk about that and, and why you decided to do that. Yeah. So I launched my business partner, Michael Goodpasture, and I um, launched the Alms Group Insurance, gosh, about three years ago. And the Alms Group shares a brand with a real estate company and then another, there's some other kind of back office companies. And we weren't sure if that was going to be the right brand for us. Um, You know, we can't quite do alms like the real estate company does. We are not as profitable and insurance agencies don't tend to be profitable in the first few years, unlike realtors who can just pop over from another another brokerage and sell and make all the money, um, along with a couple other items. So Mike and I, we wanted to hang on to the caring and community component. And so Cura, which is Latin for care, is the brand that we decided to go with and what we're doing rolling forward. Awesome. But for those who think, oh, Ashley went to another group, that's not. It's the yeah. same, yeah. same group. Same group, same product, same people, same all the things, just a different brand. You were just recently picked uh, in the first class that the chamber's ever done of 15 under 40. And that's where we recognize 15 uh, individuals under 40 years old or young professionals, as we call them, who have achieved both in the community uh, and in their professional uh, and personal lives. And uh, so it was it was a pretty big um, it was it was a lot. It was very competitive. There were a lot of people that were nominated and, and congratulations on being one of the winners. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Yeah. So I feel like kind of the cliche story. I met my husband at K-State. We couldn't decide where to go. He's a small town kid. I would have liked to go to a bigger city. Um, so Manhattan was pretty much it for us. It was the in-between and we couldn't decide on another place. So here we are. So we've been here since, gosh, 2008, so 15 years. He works up at MBAV, and he's been working several different uh, large projects. He was on every phase of the football stadium. I was at Metalark for several years before popping into insurance about seven years ago. Um, and we've just grown to, f- to love this city and build our family here and our business and our life here. And here we are. Got it. So uh, where are you from originally? From Topeka. From Topeka. So, and you came to school at K-State? Yep, came to K-State. He was a Silver Lake boy. So, our families are both back in the Topeka area. Um, yeah, so they're just just right down the road, which is nice. When you graduated, you went straight to Metal Arc from there? Went straight to Metal Arc. Yep, I was actually working at Metal Arc previously. And I, um, yep, went into administration, worked for some great people, Lonnie Baker and Annie Peace. And yeah, I learned a lot. It was a great experience right out of college. What made you decide to start your own company? Um, so it was really about kind of controlling my life and being the architect of my life. So um, long-term care administration is a very, very hard and demanding field. There's not a lot of downtime. It's very much not only an eight 
to five, but it's an eight to 10 o'clock or whenever you're needed on call all the time. Um, I knew that's not what I wanted when I had a family. And so just being the architect of my own life, I looked for about two years into other options and opportunities. And insurance, while not my first pick of professions, it allowed me to build the life that that I wanted around my family. And it has been great. And I now love insurance. I'm super nerdy about insurance. But um, yeah, I was really just taking control of my life is kind of what led me there. How did you feel about being named one of the 15 under 40? Yeah, it was an honor. Honestly, I was, you know, surprised as I think many people are. We do things in this community and talking to a lot of the other honorees. Um, you know, you don't even know if people know what you're doing and you don't do it with anticipation of being recognized. Um, and so it was just, it was a huge honor to to do it. I do joke with some of them because several of us are very heavily involved in a lot of different items and activities and um, jokingly say, gosh, we're the biggest suckers in the community because we sit on different boards and we volunteer and we can't say no. And reality is our, our community needs more people to engage. Um, and so I hope Having an award like this kind of opens other people's eyes and maybe encourages other people to get out there and uh, help the community in any way, shape, or form they can. It's interesting you say that because um, I'm in the process of meeting with all of our board members, and one of my board members is Annie Peace, who you referenced yes. a minute ago, somebody that you worked for at, at Metalark, and she has great things to say about you as well. But um, but Jamie Minton, yeah. uh, it was uh, one of the honorees, and uh, Metal Art brought a big contingent to the yes, uh, reception, uh, including Lonnie, which you don't see Lonnie in very many places. So it was good to see him. Yeah. But uh, Annie said she was talking to somebody else who was there with her, who specifically asked her, "How do I get on that stage?" Good. And so, so it is something that I think will inspire other people to get more involved. And as you rightly pointed out. You always ask busy people to do things because yes. they're busy because you know they do things. Yes, and exactly. We gave this year's Volunteer of the Year went to Matt Crocker. and, uh -huh. and Yeah, he sits at, on boards. And at the uh, annual meeting, and the first thing he says is, I just, I, I don't know how to, clearly I don't know how to say no. Yep. It is, it is a thing. That was my goal for this year. And I think, honestly, in the past few weeks, I've said no to four different board. Pheasants Forever, I don't think was a serious uh, offer. But yeah, you have to learn to say no. Pheasants Forever sounds like a fun board. It's, it's probably fun, but nope, that's a hard no. From our end, we just asked you to serve on um, our revamped Small Business Council, and, and you agreed to do that. And so why, what was something about that, that that made that appealing as opposed to some of the other things that you've said I'm saying no to now? Yeah, no to. Um, small business, so that is more of a business focus. A lot of my focuses are very geared towards Kids, kids opportunities, philanthropy, um, Optimist Club, um, Flint Hills Foster Teen Camp I dig into, the Young Trustees I do, their letters for Santa, which is all kid-based. Wanted something, needed something that was more business-based. Um, and small business council and small business in general is something that I care deeply about. Obviously, I'm a small business owner. Um, a lot of people don't you know, understand what we go through. And so if we can advocate for each other, then that's something that interests me. So I'm excited to be be a part of that. Well, I'm glad you decided to do that. And Craig Loppy is chairing that. And yes. so anybody that has interest in what we're doing there can give us a call. So you've stayed in Manhattan. And what are some of the reasons why you and your husband have decided to stay here? It's a great community. Um, you know, I think a lot of people take it for granted, but it has the kind of bigger town opportunities with the small town field. You go places 
People know you. We, Our people are here. I mean, I was just thinking about it. We've been out of college for over 10 years now, and we've been playing on the same softball teams and volleyball teams and all the things for, for this long. Our people are here. You know, our gym, our hairstylist, our... Gosh, I walk into Nespers and chat at the liquor store, knows me and knows what I like to drink. And so it's it's just our spot and the people here make it really, really special. And that's not something that you get in a lot of communities, big or small. Yeah. And it's interesting. And I've lived in big cities and smaller communities and even in big, so my brother and, and son have both lived in Dallas. My son currently lives in Dallas. And, you know, even in Dallas, you sort of end up in a small kind of neighborhood yep. anyway. So it really, you know, with the exception of some really major things like professional sports. And in that case, we still can drive to two hours to Kansas City and see the world champion football team, right? Exactly. And, uh, so there are, there are some really unique things about that. So you have uh, a little girl. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yep. She's and, three and a half. And so what, and so you talked about living, you know, some of the things, reasons why you stayed, but yeah. I would assume some of it too has to do with family and, and for opportunities sure. for kids and, and how yeah. uh, that works. Yeah. So actually it's, it's fun. I'm officially a soccer mom, which I love. Um, I played club soccer at K-State and then I've played and stayed active in the soccer community since then. So coach Abdu, who if you're from the area, you know, Abdu, he's coached me and I've played in his leagues and I've helped volunteer coach for him. And my, my little girl's finally playing soccer under coach Abdu and coach Pedro. And it's, it just, things come full circle and it's really neat to see, but it has all the opportunities that you could want for your kiddos, you know, any sports, whether it's soccer, gymnastics, um, as well as academic, you know, there's plenty of opportunities in this town and there's people who make those opportunities possible. So what are some things or a thing that inspires you or motivates you on a daily basis? From the kind of the community standpoint and the philanthropic standpoint, I really think a lot of it was from my upbringing. My family was fairly involved in items. You know, we always did the walk to raise money for this. And at Christmas, we always picked a philanthropy to donate money to and whatnot. And so that's something that's been engraved in me. Um, grandma always said, she she said, if you're feeling crummy, you're having a bad day or a hard time in life, if you just go volunteer or give back in some way, it helps you feel better. Um, so a lot of that's just how I feel. I was also blessed enough to have tons of opportunities as kids. I was in camp. I played all the sports. I did the thing. So just seeing people lack those opportunities and wanting to give that back. From a business and professional standpoint, a lot of it really is just control and being the architect of my life and being long-term focused and driven and just kind of knowing the path I want to be on and not steering from that and goals I'm shooting for. So that's what really kind of keeps me in line there. So as you talk to young people, and I'm sure you you see them at different things, uh, who are just getting out of school and enter, entering the workforce or, or starting their own business like you did, uh, what's some advice that you give them? Gosh, so my mom always said it's, it's uh, better to take risks and mess up when you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a husband, you don't have a kid. So I would 100% back that. You know, when you're young, it's time to take risks. So chase those ideas. If you have dreams, chase those dreams. Um, you know, they don't always work out, but they open other doors and create other opportunities. I think one of the other big mindset shifts for me was, you know, you go from college and you're very, very self-reliant. A lot of it's about your individual performance. And as you get into the real world, you realize it's more about being resourceful, um, resourcefulness. And so building a network Surrounding yourself by people who are smarter than you, who you strive to be, inspire to be is is really important. Um, 
And luckily, I had that both again with Annie and Lonnie right out of college. So that's really, I mean, always reaching for for your dreams and reaching above where you're at is is the best advice I could give there. I'm going to touch on something you, you said a minute ago and ask you to expound on this because I've heard rumors that you actually mentioned communicating with your fellow honorees. Is there is there like a group text or is there no. like No. Gosh, that's a great idea though. Well, I just I hear cuz somebody said, "Oh, they, you know, this group they want to get together and have dinner yeah. and talk to each other and stay connected and yeah. So, have you talked about that at all and in, in Um, I did. That was something that I'd actually kind of shot back to to Dina. You know, it's this is the first year and gosh, the amount of work it takes to pull an inaugural anything off is incredible. Um, but I think a lot of us know each other in passing, but again, we don't always have the same interests. We're not sitting on the same boards or doing the same things. And so there's been a few that we've met outside of this, just gone and grabbed coffee and gotten to know each other a little bit better. And it's it's fascinating to see what they're passionate about and what they're involved in. And you realize we're all kind of in depth in our own little areas and own little corners of this community. So while you don't see them out and about, they're very active in other ways. Yeah. And I think the thing that sort of ties everyone together is just their passion for Manhattan or the region or their community. Because we had a couple from Omigo and one from Junction City. So um, there are probably a lot of a lot of things you all could accomplish together. So that would be an interesting exercise. So let us help with that if you can. Yeah, if you can get us all together, man. That would be that would be hard, but yes. maybe it's something we can try. So I know you probably listen to the Think MHK podcast on a regular basis, but other than that, are there any podcasts that you listen to or publications that you read on a regular basis? Yeah. So, and Charlotte knows this. I am an avid audiobook person. Um, I'm not huge into podcasts. I do. There's one called Insurance Guys. I listen to quite a bit. Um, I'm sure that's a that's a barn it's, burner. It's riveting, right? Yeah. They're actually to. they're they're pretty funny. Which I mean, gosh, that's the only way you could get through. Of it. So, you know, there's other ones I listen to. I like a lot of fitness and health items. And um, I used to listen to a lot of economists, but then I'd get obsessive and paranoid. And so I I learned I need to cut back on some of those, um, some of those items. But yeah, I read, I burn through about 120 audiobooks a year um, of all different wow. types. So sorts. doing my math correctly, that'd be it's about a 10 a month. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 It takes me two or three days to get through them. Yeah. So do you, do you do you listen while you run or work out or whatever? Yeah, run, get ready in the mornings, work out, drive in the car, in bed before I go to sleep. What, at kind, night. what kind of books? Just all kinds. Yeah, all kinds. Morning, I'll listen to more professional development books. Night, I listen to more so fiction. My husband and I are big on um, oh Brad Thor. He writes like Scott Harvath. They're kind of spy masters. Very terminalist. A lot of people know that one. So yeah, mindless stuff to fall asleep to. Well, that's the end of the interview portion of of our show. Uh, we'll now move on to the famous or infamous, depending on who you talk to, rapid fire section. Okay. So I know we warned you a little bit about it. So do yes. you think you're ready? You ready to move forward I think, with that? I think so. Fire away. Okay. So number one, describe your perfect day. Okay. Probably um, float down the upper Buffalo, Buffalo River in Arkansas and just camp out on the banks. So where, where exactly is... Buffalo. Yeah, river. it's down in uh, down in Arkansas. So it's huge mountains. There's like a 200 foot waterfall, big cliffs. It's pretty, but it's nice enough water if it's not cold like the white waters of Colorado. And so, what town would that be near? That you um, is there a town? gosh, that goes there, Ponca. Like uh, okay, like where is it from? Ponca's the head like mountain home somewhere in that area. Probably the, the Ozarks. It's in the Ozarks. It's Ozarks. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll have to check it out. If you could go back in time for a day, 
what day would you go to? A wedding day. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Your yeah. wedding day, I assume? My, my wedding oh, okay. day. Yes. Okay. Yep. I'd relive that over and over. Did you get married in Topeka then? Yep, we did. Okay. So all of our hometown spots. What job did you want as a kid? Ironically, a wolf trainer. I thought I could train wolves for Hollywood motion pictures. Didn't Is work that out. a real thing? I don't. I think everything's animated now. If oh, I had to okay. guess, or whatever, it's technology based. But yeah. So so why? I'm not judging. Why why a wolf? I liked wolves, which is ironic because I really am not even a huge dog person anymore. So, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know why I wanted to do that, but I was set on it. I think that would be an interesting job. But at, what was your actual first job? It was, I was a server at Outback Steakhouse. So that's a little more standard. Yes, for sure. That's a normal uh, job. You Can make money. Of, moved a lot of blooming onions out. Yes. And, oh, man. Probably so many blooming like onions. onions on, as yep. you went home every day. Yeah, blooming onions and cheese fries. There you go. Uh, what skill would you most like to learn? I would love to learn to play the guitar. I just would not like the time it would take to learn to play the guitar. I tried to teach myself, and uh, it is it take, it's a lot. It's of a practice. lot of work. Yes, I think I tried for like a year, and of course, you forget everything. You know, as soon as you put it down. But you do get the you get the calluses. You do. Everything, and yep. It, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, where is the coolest place? And by coolest, we we mean kind of hippest, Hip, most not fun, the coldest, not okay. coldest. The coolest because you know I don't want you to go. Uh, they, you know the Arctic. Yeah. Um, what is the coolest place you've traveled? Probably the coolest, and I think it's probably because it caught me off guard. Were the uh, Germanic countries? So up Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Went to Amsterdam for a little bit. Um, those are awesome. People were really down to earth, and they are beautiful. So. It was a really, really fun was there, vacation. Was there a particular reason that you went there or was it a tour group? Or kind, what was it? kind of, yeah. I, before my husband and I decided to have three or decided to have kids, I took three weeks and went to Europe and traveled Europe and stayed with my best friend in London and then just traveled through. I think we went to like nine different countries and- this is what I do when I'm young. Do, yeah, do before you have kids. It. Check yeah. that off your bucket list. Speaking of when you're younger, what, do you, what did you do as a teenager that makes you cringe now? Oh, man. I uh, I listened to a lot of punk rock back in the day. That was kind of the thing uh, in my time and frame and not something I can handle much of now. So give me a, give me an example of a band that you oh my gosh, person. Like Taking Back Sunday, The Used, Brand New. So all those, all those. Know, I don't know any of those groups. Not, so. not missing much. Yeah. yeah okay. It's fine. Uh, what is the most ridiculous thing you believed as a child? I was scared of the toilet. I always thought alligators and snakes would sneak up through the toilet. We don't even have alligators here. Why I thought that, I well, don't know. Well, that's, that's not true. That's, we did we have did. two. Touche. We two did. That, that, that escaped into the creek. And quite frankly, you, you probably, they scared, gotten me. probably scared kids across Manhattan. It did. I I don't, I have read stories. I hate to do this to you, oh, actually, no. but I have read stories where snakes do come up. Do they? Yeah, okay, they so this is a real life thing. I feel better about thing. myself. You don't have to be scared of it because no. the chances of that happening are probably not Slim great. to none, yeah. But I have heard of, of that happening. Alligators? Not so much, yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? Um. Oh, man, remotely, 100, 1,000%. Any particular reason or just? Um, I just, I'm far more productive if I work remotely. Um, and I just, you know, I was an athlete growing up. I don't necessarily enjoy getting dulled up for days of work. And so if I can be at my desk by 730 in the morning and get the day going, I just, I knock out so much more work. How do you deal with work stress? Work stress. I lift heavy weights and go on quick runs and work out hard and 
try to stay sane like everybody else. So that's what I do too, but it just doesn't seem to work. Right <laughs> no, yeah. not so much. Hopefully, yeah. it is. But I, I've told people a lot of times they say because I'm not a huge runner, but I do like to run. And why do you like to run? I go, you know what? You get home after a day and you get out for about three mile run and it clears your head and does it just makes the rest of the day feel better. Yep. Time to yourself. Nobody needs you during that time, which is, yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, I think a lot of people use a commute when they commute. A lot yes. It's just time when put yep. your headphones in and you're just out there. So yep. I, I get checked out. Well, Ashley, thank you for being with us today yeah. uh, on the Think MHK podcast and congratulations again on achieving the award of 15 under 40. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. We're here today with Rebecca Robinson, the new CEO of Kansas State University Innovation Partners and another one of our 15 under 40 winners. Hey, Rebecca, how are you today? Hey, Jason. Good to be here. Well, first of all, let's let's talk about uh, your new position. Congratulations on being named CEO of KSUIP. Thanks so much. It's really humbling that the board of directors had the confidence in me to lead our organization. It's both humbling and empowering. And especially as a young female, I am really thrilled and honored to to advance our organization. Yeah. So you're a repeat visitor on the podcast. So most people know you and know your story, but um, but talk a little bit about how you ended up here and uh, how you ended up at KSUIP and, and maybe a little bit about what KSUIP does. I, like a lot of folks who've been on this podcast and a lot of folks in Manhattan, came to Manhattan through K-State. So I actually came as an undergraduate student, and after my four years at K-State, I had every intention of moving to Kansas City after graduation for an opportunity there, but that also happened to be the year that we um, announced that Manhattan would be the future home of MBAF. And at the time, I was interning at what was then the Institute for Commercialization, now K-State Innovation Partners, and was supporting our economic development partnership that we have with uh, the Chamber and a number of other regional partners. And that momentum and the opportunity to be a part of Manhattan's future, along with some wise counsel and urging from mentors and the team at Innovation Partners, I made the decision to stay. And the rest is, as we shall say, history. And where are you from originally? I am originally from Colwich, which is just uh, outside of the Wichita metro. Okay. Yeah. Talk a little bit about Innovation Partners. So you went through a name change. Sure. Uh, kind of combined some different groups. But what, what will your role be now as the CEO of the organization? K-State Innovation Partners serves three main functions for K-State. And the reason we've changed names is because we have evolved as an organization over the last 20 years. The original uh, purpose of Innovation Partners was to commercialize intellectual property that emanated from the university, but we also lead corporate engagement activities for the university and uh, economic development, that part of our land-grant mission. And so my role as the uh, president and CEO of Innovation Partners will really be to drive strategy, build and support the team there uh, in our work to deliver against those three missions for K-State and the region. The opportunity I get to serve on the board of, of the Kansas State Innovation Partners and 
was part of that transition and the name change and and uh, very excited that I got that opportunity. And then I don't think this is a secret. I got to participate in the interview process for the CEO job and uh, I couldn't be happier for you and, and chance to lead the organization. And just, I think we should probably mention, since we haven't mentioned it yet, uh, you are getting this position because of the retirement at Kent Glasscock. Yep. And so maybe talk a little bit about what Kent has meant to that organization uh, yep. and to you personally uh, in his time there. Yeah, Kent has been a um, both a mentor and an advocate for me in my career and actually has is where I've learned uh, a lot of what I have grown into in terms of a of an economic development professional and um uh, a corporate engagement <laughs> advocate and um and professional and Kent really has forged the way for our institution to evolve into um, really, it's multifunctions today, as well as being a critical partner and a strategic role for K-State in its future, um, has really positioned us well, both in the community and sort of his leadership and vision relative to um, to what Manhattan and Kansas can be and what K-State's role in supporting that is. So um, I'm really thankful for Kent's leadership over the last 20 years and I'm excited for him in this ne- next chapter. Yeah. And he's retiring from that position, but he's staying on with the university in another role. So um excited about that. Maybe we can get him on the show. You'll have to talk him into coming onto the show with us because I don't think he's been on yet. So I don't think he good. has. That'd be great. Yeah. So, but we're here to talk about you and you again, were one of our 15 under 40 winners. Uh, how do you feel about being named one of the top young professionals in the region? Well, I'm of course honored to be recognized by the chamber and the region, but I'm also thrilled that we have this program um, and that we've created this program because we've got a tremendous amount of active and engaged young professionals in the community. And I think it's great that we as a community are recognizing those significant contributions to this place. So, yeah, And it was a, a pretty group. impressive group of uh, individuals, certainly Absolutely. as it relates to accomplishments and things that they've done in their careers. So, Absolutely. Yeah. A great group of folks. So certainly you were worthy. And, and again, congratulations on that. But let's talk for a minute about why you've chosen to stay in Manhattan. You talked uh, briefly about why you stayed after graduation, but you've had certainly opportunities to go other places. What what makes you stay here? I love Manhattan for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, it's a really progressive and forward-thinking place in many ways. It's a city with a lot of great pride and lots of purple pride at that. But in my tenure working and living in Manhattan, the symbiotic relationship between the university and the community is different than other places. And I think it makes it uh, both special but also competitive uh, in a place that, in the especially in the work that we do together, Jason. And yeah, there have been a handful of opportunities over the over the last decade or so that Blake have Blake and I have uh, considered other opportunities and other places to advance our careers. But at each of those times, we took an inventory of what we have here in the community, uh, in terms of the community of people that we have surrounded ourselves with, and both personally and professionally. And that social capital, along with the opportunities to advance in place here, have just been too hard to leave. Yeah. Well, since you brought him up, Blake is... My husband. Okay. And he... And what does Blake do? Yeah. So, Blake um, has a law practice in Manhattan, um, Robinson and Adam Law Firm. And yeah. you and he also have a side venture. I've, I've read in the paper. We've not talked about it yeah. a lot, but it's kind of a cool little story. We do. So uh, in 2018, um, I started uh, the 
wild journey of, uh, of a PhD program. And um, Blake at the time was looking for other ways to spend his time because my time was largely consumed with coursework uh, and homework. And so uh, he picked up an old uh, hobby that he had pottery that he had done in high school, ended up first started out at the Manhattan Arts Center going twice a week. And pretty soon we had more pottery in our house than we knew what to do with. And so uh, the entrepreneur in me, the business person in me, so we got to get rid of it. And so we started a little business called PhD Pottery, where I try to get rid of as much pottery as I can. So, so yeah. kind of clean in the house, but uh, maybe make a little money on That's the right. side. That's so. right. At least buy more clay and glaze, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And is Blake pretty good at it? I haven't seen any of his. I, I think he's pretty good, you know? It, uh, an artist would say he's never, it's never good enough, and it. half the stuff he won't let out of the house because it's not good enough, but but I think it's pretty good. Well, good. That's a that's an interesting side venture. So, you hit on this a little bit, but uh, as a young professional, what do you think man, makes Manhattan a special place to live? The thing I love about uh, about Manhattan as a place to live is you end up having amenities that and diversity of amenities and the types of things that you might not have in a place in a community of our size because of the diverse populations here, whether it's Fort Riley or K-State and and just the kinds of people that we have in this community that um, that really make it unique as a, as a university in a military town that is different from other communities of our size. I find that to be true. And we talk a lot about uh, the vibrancy, even mm -hmm. though you you know, we say it's a community of 50 some odd thousand people. It doesn't Certainly feel like doesn't a community like of 50,000 people. So, and I think that's helpful. Um, what inspires you or motivates you on a daily basis mm -hmm. to to get out of bed and go to go to work on behalf of the institution um, and and the community in terms of, of economic development and prosperity? So, I'm a problem solver. So, uh, I love overcoming challenges and that those kinds of challenge, challenges that we face um, are really uh, a big motivator for me. Um, I'm also an achiever. So setting and achieving goals and, you know, we, I think, have a lot of hope in this town in terms of what we could be or aspirations. And, and so working to achieve those really motivate me. And then the last thing would be helping others. Uh, I really like and find a lot of value in helping other people. And and so trying to make people's lives better and make this community better and this university better are really, really motivating for me. Great. As a young professional, uh, what advice, and, and you actually you probably, more than a lot of our young professionals that we've interviewed for this, you get a chance to, to have these interactions fairly regularly, but what advice would you have for a young professional who's just getting out of school and entering the workforce? The one thing I would say primarily uh, in terms of young professionals is one, join Hype. Um, the Manhattan Young Professionals at the time, now rebranded Hype, uh, was something that was really impactful to me when I stayed in Manhattan, especially as I was getting out of school. A lot of my friends went to other places and I found myself in a little bit of a vacuum where I wasn't sure who to hang out with or what to do. And so some of my best friends today and colleagues are people that I met in, uh, in Hype. Um, the other thing I would say is never stop learning. Uh, in terms of advancing your career, it's going to be the growth opportunities, the learning opportunities that really drive long-term success. So uh, even if you're just getting out of school, you're not done learning. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Now, going back to hype, um, yeah. and you were one of the people who I think got in Wayne Sloan's ear a few years ago about updating the program, and he he drove that in his year at chair. But 
you also know the chair this year, right? They've made a lot of advancements over last year and a half, and yeah, and a lot of that has to do with with our chair. And, yeah, and my my colleague Stephanie Pierce has been a really great champion for for hype and in. Um, Really, I think taking the great programs that Hype has developed to the next level and thinking about what uh, we as a community and a region can do to retain those young professionals, to um, help them grow professionally and personally and build community there. And I, I think she's been doing a great job and it's great to have her on my team. Yeah, we do too. It's, it's interesting. We've had some really good visionary people who have a lot of great ideas and, and, and they have a lot of passion and they're, and they're motivated to do a lot sometimes too much. And uh, at the time when we were visiting about who should slide into that chair position in summer hot dirks, who was our incoming chair at the time and I were discussing it. And I said, we really need somebody there who's organized and can get people um, a little more coordinated on how they're doing it. I've got the perfect person and she has been uh, great in that role. So thank you for letting us have her for a number of hours uh, as she's worked to kind of uh, get that program a little more coordinated and I think easier to navigate. Other than this podcast, which I'm sure you listen to on a regular basis, are there other podcasts or publications that you get information from that you would recommend to young professionals or other people in the business community? Sure. Well, I have a lot of uh, news that I uh, generally subscribe to, uh, but in terms of sticking to podcasts, I've got a couple of recommendations. One is um, Archetypes by Megan Markle. It's Megan Markle's new podcast. Uh, I love that one. It's only on Spotify, but um, it's a great one. Uh, The Dave Chang Show is a great one on food and um, sort of that space. And then the last two I have to plug are produced by my Aunt Beth, uh, who is a broadcaster down at KMUW in Wichita. One is Marginalia, mostly interviews with authors. And you're saying it wrong, which talks about words that we um, might oftentimes mispronounce and what they mean. I I, I thought you were chastising me for a minute. I go, what am I saying wrong? I don't know what I'm saying. That's the name of the podcast. (laughs) That is the podcast. All right, I got it. Well, uh, that's the end of our big picture questions. We are now moving on to rapid fire. Now, you're a repeat guest. Yeah. So you've been on before, but we were talking specifically about, um, I think, the Scorpion Project yeah. at I've the time. I've never talked about myself and on so this. And so we've never done rapid fire, correct? Correct. As, I, I think that's right. So we do, we have 10 questions that we that we shoot at you and uh, and we ask you to answer as quickly as you can just so we get to know you a little better. Perfect. So, all right. So you think you handle it? Are we Let's ready? Let's do it. All right. What job did you want as a kid? I wanted to be a professional singer and a philanthropist. So I wanted to be a wealthy professional singer. Yeah. We we have one that in common because I really thought when I was a kid, I was going to be a professional singer. Oh, my gosh. Do yeah. you still sing? Uh, as you know, when I'm not supposed to be, yeah. I guess. I don't we know. We can start, they, a, uh, start a band. There, there is a running <laughs> joke in the office about uh, me singing in the bathroom. Oh so gosh. like I when I walk into the bathroom, because it's got good good acoustics in there and everything it's it's actually uh, i'm actually really effective in there but outside of there i don't i don't know how good i am so we'll see maybe we can try sometime that's awesome um if someone paid you to write a blog or book about anything what would that be about i would do one of two things um one would be about travel and food the things to eat while you're traveling to places uh or about being a woman in the workplace and just the Unique sort of challenges yeah. or opportunities. That would be, that would be, a good, I, don't, I don't know that we have a lot of those and that would be good. Now you're just, this is not a rapid fire question, yeah. but you're a big traveler. I love traveling. I have a bit of wanderlust and uh, 
travel at every opportunity, but also love coming home. So, t- how many countries do you even know? Or oh, I like have a, no idea. There's like 10 since I've known you. I have, yeah, dozens probably. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and and all the states yet, or are you still working I on haven't that? done as much of the U.S. states. Okay. I've done a lot, but not all. But uh, Blake and I primarily try to go go far right now while we can, while yeah. our while we can hike and and uh, do all the hard things yeah. and all the hard languages. Yeah, no, I got it. Yep. Makes sense. Okay, uh, back to the rapid fire. Sure. What was your first job? Uh, so I had a couple of of early jobs early in life. Uh, one, I'm from a big family, so babysitting. Uh, but I'm also the daughter of a plumber, so I was a plumbing assistant. Oh, nice. uh, and I was, or as we called it in the day, grunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was running back and forth from the truck, or cutting pipe, or finding fittings, those sorts yeah. of things. Again, off the rapid fire questions for a minute. You have how many brothers and sisters? I have nine. Nine. That's a big nine family. siblings. There's ten yeah. of us total. Seven boys and three girls. And you're one of the oldest, right? I'm the second oldest second oldest yeah Yeah. so yeah we've got my wife and i now together we've kind of brady bunched it we have eight yeah it's it's a lot so kudos for your parents yeah they're they're they're, great people yeah uh what is the most unusual pet you've had we live uh kind of out on a farm i grew Mm -hmm. up out on a farm and um one day my dad um found in a uh hay bale some uh abandoned baby raccoons and brought them home. Uh, And so we had a rescued raccoon named, uh, and the one of the, uh, the litter that survived was mine and her name was Pocahontas. Oh, okay. That was my raccoon. Of course there was was Miko. Miko was the actual raccoon. But there were three, there was Miko, Cocoaum and Pocahontas. And of course Pocahontas is the one who prevailed. Yeah. All right. Um, that is an unusual pet. <laughs> so uh, you, you mentioned that you're a big traveler, so this mm-hmm. might be a harder question than yeah. it is for most, but what's the best place you've ever traveled to? It's actually an easy question, uh, because hands down, my favorite place is Japan. Oh, okay. So far, if you yeah. can go to Japan, go. Yeah. Go I haven't been to a lot of places. I have been to Japan and I had a good time. It's it wonderful. Was, it was great. Yeah. People there, um, very friendly is exceptionally clean. It is. It's, it's unbelievable. The, the, um, the efficiency, the yeah. cleanliness it's, it's yeah. I do. I do have to tell a story. We're going to get off track a little bit, but <laughs> I do have to tell, uh, one of my Japan trip stories. So, uh, I was at the time I was the economic development director in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, and, uh, the state sent a contingent to Japan for a trade mission with the Lieutenant governor. But we went early because Lincoln is the home of the North American assembly plant for Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. So all they, all their, assim, all their um, North American assembly operations come out of Lincoln. They have a couple other places, but they're managed out of Lincoln. So we would, we would go fairly regularly and they would set up meetings for us to meet with their suppliers because they wanted their suppliers to be located close to them. So they're in Kobe, which is mm-hmm. not, it's, I mean, it's a big city, but yeah. it's not, it's not international. Right. And and we were in Osaka and Osaka is mm-hmm. a little more international, but not like Tokyo and the Tokyo region. So that's where we yeah. were. And um, um, so we were first day of our meetings. I was with a gentleman who was the international director for the state of, for, I almost say Kansas, Nebraska. And he had lived in Japan and, and he had been telling me how much I was going to love it and, and all the great things about it. And so we went to the meeting and you've been to meetings with Japanese companies. And what do you always do if you're there in the morning, you go have lunch. And if you're there in the evening, you go have drinks. So we were there in the morning and they said, well, let's get in the van and we'll all go have lunch. So we're driving 
literally in rural Japan. The gentleman from the state of Nebraska uh, looks back at me and goes, oh, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the most authentic Japanese meal you've ever had. You are so lucky. We are going to be dining, I promise you, you know, kind of like rural America, right? It's going to be it's going to be the yeah. way the way you can experience the way it's supposed to be. So we pull into a restaurant. Of course, I can't read anything, right? We're we're there's no, nothing written in English at this point because we're very rural. And we walk into what it's a it's a house almost that's been renovated into into a restaurant. We walk in, and the gentleman from the state of Nebraska looks around, and I and I can tell he's kind of got a kind of a pain look on his face, and I go what's the story? And he goes, that's a Chinese restaurant. Oh my gosh. So we had, we had sweet and sour chicken. We had broccoli beef, all the things you would get from a Chinese restaurant in, in the U S. So it's that, like they thought you, they, I, I, I think it was probably their favorite restaurant, oh right? Gosh. It was probably like, Oh, this is our favorite restaurant. So we should go there. But we How did funny. get some very authentic uh, Japanese food um, during that trip. And I loved um, visiting Japan. So thanks yeah, for bringing that up. Cause I, I, Always enjoy getting to talk about that. So I'm going to try to find my place again. What is the one thing that instantly makes your day better? The one thing that makes my day better is a homemade meal by Blake. That man knows his way around a kitchen and can can cook, uh, I'd say, nearly anything. Mm. And uh, and a lot of the stuff they might cook is Japanese or other Asian dishes. So, yeah. Well, if Blake's listening to this, I'm sure he will. You're making us look bad. Stop it. (laughs) So aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? Caffeine, preferably in coffee or Diet Pepsi form. What is the one question you wish people would ask you less? When I'm going to finish my dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of close to that, to that though, right? I know. Yeah. It's just a, the end date is when it gets done. <laughs> that's what happens when you are in an academic environment, though. They yeah. all want to know. How do you deal with work stress? Exercise, typically. Uh, primarily weightlifting or kickboxing. Uh, what advice would you give the 19-year-old Rebecca Robinson? I would say find a way to study abroad. Um, so, of course, I have Wonderlust, mm-hmm. and uh, the one itch I didn't scratch was living abroad. So, a okay. couple weeks at a time just doesn't always cut it. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm like I'm always missing a little piece of the of the country. So. That's what I and everybody, every other 19-year-old try to do. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. thanks for being on the show again. Of course. Uh, Congratulations on your new position. It's obviously well-deserved. And again, congratulations on being one of our 15 under 40. Thanks so much, Jason. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.